it, listeners, and welcome to another episode of the Leadership Connection. I am Tara Holwagner, your guest host. Happy to be here for yet another episode. And joining me today is Bambi Hoyt. Bambi Hoyt's career spans 20 years of experience with the Department of Defense, federal uh, government, pharmaceutical, and consumer goods industries. She holds a bachelor's degree in communications from the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill, go Tar Heels, mm-hmm. and a master of professional communications from Clemson University. So when Bambi's not rolling up her sleeves to find new ways to support uh, the DOD and federal clients, you might find her and her husband traveling around the world, especially at Disney. I know you guys love uh, Disney World, and I've frequently asked you for uh, advice, actually, about how to master how to master Disney. Um, so maybe we'll hear more about that in your leadership stories, because you know Disney has, I mean, they're the behemoths, right, uh, in terms of entertainment uh, industry, and have some great leadership uh, uh, mantras. But uh, but let's talk about let's talk more about about you and about when you first recognized that that you were a leader. So can you tell me a little bit about the project or or moment uh, when when Bambi Hoyt realized you know what hey I'm 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 a leader now I'm in a leadership position. Sure no absolutely and uh, and first just th- thanks for having me I'm looking forward to this it's going to be fun. Um, yeah. So the first time it's it's kind of weird. I was I was kind of think getting in the mental zone for this conversation today, and uh, <laughs> you know you always want to kind of talk about first. And um, I'm I'm an only child, so I grew up in uh, the middle of nowhere, North Carolina, in the mountains. Um, and so just as an only child, I think sometimes you have those inherent leadership skills because you don't always have other folks to rely on. Uh, you know, right. I grew up in a neighborhood where I was the only kid, so I had to keep myself entertained and. And all that. Um, and so when I think of, you know, initial leadership times, uh, I mean, I could go back as early as, you know, high school. Uh, and, and you know, I mean, I won't bore you guys with all my high school details, but, you know, just <laughs> various, you know, clubs and organizations and, you know, being a, a leader in those, uh, sometimes an elected leader, sometimes just spearheading things, you know, right. um, college and college projects. So uh, it's, it's interesting to think that, you know, the first time, because I think it's, I think we experienced those firsts um, throughout life, but from a from a true career perspective, um, what we'll focus on this industry that, that I'm currently in, um, the first real, oh my gosh, I'm a leader now uh, in, in my big girl job. And right. It was, um, was actually the first project I worked at Lifecycle Engineering. So mm-hmm. uh, I was brought in really early um, in a white paper phase for a, a large software development, what became a large software development application mm-hmm. uh, in, in the early days of agile development. And, and you know, that was kind of a new thing. Um, You're edging yourself now. Don't do I that. Know, there, I know. Just wait. You'll get some <laughs> 80s references later and you'll really know how old I am. Right. So nice. Nice. But, but yeah, I started out actually as a technical writer, helping to put that white paper together. And okay. um you know, a lot of times people think leader and manager or leader in specific titles that are, you know, high right. up in an organization. But, you know, I think I think leadership can be at any level. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, you know, it's it's just, you know, running with something and owning it and um, taking, you know, taking responsibility for, for mm-hmm. your tasking and helping others when necessary. And so I did that on that project. We started out as a small team of three. Uh, and eventually grew. We started out as a white paper. Uh, the platform grew to over 40,000 users uh, supporting the, the, the DOD uh, mm-hmm. in various ways. And um, 
you know, it was just kind of weird to think about, uh, you know, little, uh, you know, 30 something me, uh, you know, leading, leading something that touched that many folks across the globe. It's pretty cool. Well, that's exciting. And I, I, I think that that um, is something that, you know, that, that motivates you being in software development and cybersecurity, which um, is a big concern, you know, for a lot of our listeners um, um, today. Um, speaking of, of, of motivation, I, I'd like to know, what do, you, what do you think is the primary motivating factor behind how you lead, behind your leadership style? I'm, uh, to me, it's really about the people. Uh, I've been, mm-hmm. I've been tagged various times as, as the den mother, um, in my leadership roles. Um, you know, I think it's important as a leader to help people learn and grow and, and, mm-hmm. you know, uh, develop in their career. And sometimes, you know, they develop so far that, you know, they might develop themselves out of, a, you know, a current position and they can move right. to bigger, bigger things. And that's really exciting. Um, and I also think that uh, an element that I really um, latch onto the leadership is, is really running interference for roadblocks. Yes. Um, you know, I think it's important to, to, you know, teach your team, you know, how to fish, make sure that folks know how to do what they're supposed to do. But sometimes things happen that are outside of their control. And, right. you know, as a leader, I think it's our responsibility to to help eliminate some of that noise so they can really focus on the mission and the goals of the, of the tasking they're working. Yeah. And what they're good at. And, you know, you said something a minute ago that we've, that we've actually uh, in the podcast, we've discussed before, you know, how leadership doesn't necessarily have to be a title. Um, You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a a certain level in the organization that you can have leadership at, at any level and I think, you know, what you shared there about helping people learn and grow, running interference for them and, and teaching them how to fish. I mean, you're enabling people's leadership, people's innate leadership, you know, to come out in that way. Right. And for them to for them to develop. So I think that's a that's an awesome way to give back, you know, as, as a leader and um, try to create those future leaders for tomorrow. So let's talk a little bit um, about, we're going to talk a little bit about external influences um, and we'll start, you know, with if there's anyone and, and maybe you've had many, but choose one, you know, someone that you've looked to as like a mentor or a role model that you'd like to talk about in, in, in our podcast today about who, who has influenced your career and, and a few things that you've learned from that person that, that you think are, are really important to you today. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you're right. There are, there are many, many, um, again, that's something else that starts very early in life, you know, with teachers right. and professors and, um, you know, different folks you kind of meet along the way. And, and I think, um, you know, I think there's just certain folks that just kind of stand out, um, you know, when you reflect upon your, your life and your career, who really, right. um, you know, I don't think there's a single person that says, okay, I've molded, I've molded Tara into this piece of in clay, my image. you know? Yeah, exactly. Right. It's <laughs> like I a think, statue, right? Because yeah. we're not, right? We're constantly molding. Um, uh, yeah. So we're not the Michelangelo uh, La Pieta, you know, in the Vatican. I mean, we're we're constantly evolving, right? right because right. because our environments are constantly changing. I mean, you were talking about early days of agile. We'll just <laughs> call it agile. Yeah. And <laughs> And, and, and think about how, you know, things have evolved 
you know, even just that project management methodology or software development methodology, you know, has evolved and grown and the tools that have come in to support that. So, I mean, that, you know, we as, as people and leaders are the same, right? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and that, you know, I think we just, we gain certain nuggets from folks along the way and that helps, you know, helps make us better. Uh, mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, so within, you know, my current industry, uh, Phil Hartley was actually the the person who who hired me on at Lifecycle Engineering many, many, many years ago. And um, I always felt that he was, he was just a really good leader uh, because mm-hmm. he would, he would push his team. He would push me to do things uh, to get me out in front of people. So they might be tasks. I remember I used to get irritated at him because he'd say, you know, Hey, can you send an email to so-and-so? And he'd tell me exactly what to put in the email and exactly what to attach. And I'm like, well, you could have done it in the time that you told me exactly what you wanted, <laughs> right? Right. But what, he, but what he did is he, in doing that, the email would come from me and then people would start to, you know, they would listen to me more. I'm not just, right. you know, a flower in the background, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm a voice on the team. And right. I think, you know, at the time I, I didn't get it, but now, now I do. And I think it's important to, you know, put people in those positions so that they can, um, you know, they can get some of the credit and they can, um, you know, they can shine uh, versus always having that leader in the front who's, you know, the the image of everything. So, so Phil was really good at that. And, and he was also really good about protecting his team, which I, which, as I said earlier, is, is really important. You know, I mean, if, if one of us really screwed up, um, you know, he would, we would present a solid front as a team, you know, and he would, mm-hmm. uh, he would take the blame for whatever we screwed up uh, on. And mm-hmm. then of course, you know, in the background, he's working with us, making sure that we fix or mitigate anything, uh, you know, any oopses or accidents, but um, he wasn't one that would, you know, throw you to the wolves. He, he would take right. the blame for our mistakes and then, um, you know, push us to help to fix them. So, right. So, you know, I think that that's something um, that kind of speaks to what you were talking about earlier about um, helping people learn and grow. And part of that, part of learning, part of growth is sometimes making mistakes and having failures um, and and learning how to or in being able to learn from that to do to do better. Uh, But also having the courage as a leader to say, you know what, Um, you know, I'm the one accountable here and for 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 sticking up for the team. I think that's a really good example um, of integrity. Yep. Encouraged. Absolutely. Absolutely. And and I and think understanding too- accountability. Because have you ever been in a <laughs> have you ever been in a have you ever seen a leader not take accountability? Uh, have you ever seen that happen? Yeah, I know I'm I have. sure. Yeah. And I'm like the cringe worthy moments where you're just like, Oh gosh, you know, it's hard, you know, it's, it's hard to, um, to, to do that, but, but that's why the role is there, you know, I guess. So, well, and I think too, you know, as you look back at folks that you've learned from, um, you know, it's always good to lift up the positive folks, but yeah, there's also, I mean, there's really bad leaders or there's just folks who are just, (laughs) you know, everybody's, you know, can envision that one person who you just hate working with, but they're still, you know, you're, they're still around. Right. And I think, um, yeah. but I think something positive that you can take from that is um, especially if you want to be a leader is, you know, sometimes it's, it's hard to see what's right to do, 
but it can be easier to see what you shouldn't do. And so when you get, when you see those qualities in a leader and you're like, Oh, Mm -hmm. it's awful. You know, like it's just a good mental note to take that away and say, you know, I need to look in the mirror every day and and make sure that that I can look at myself and say, I'm not doing those things. Right. Right. I mean, uh, yeah, I, I, I like that. I I may not know exactly what's right, but I'm going to try not to do what I think is wrong or, or not, or not right. Or not within my, not within my integrity as, you know, as, as the one responsible, you know, to be a leader. Um, Yeah. So there's all kinds of leadership models out there, right? The ones that uh, um, the ones that we emulate, you know, uh, and then, and then ones that we learn from in other ways. So one of my favorite questions that I've been asking people, um, well, I've got two, uh, but Uh-oh. this is the first one, uh, is if you could have, you know, coffee or tea, beverage of your choice uh, with anyone in the world, alive or dead, fictional or real, who would it be and why? So, um, so I would like to give you this profound, like, you know, there's, here's this philosopher or here's this just wonderful industry leader, but I am a Harry Potter nerd. And, uh, you know, and so um, I I have to say JK Rowling and, um, and I think, you know, of course we would talk all kinds of Harry Potter fun first, but, you know, after we've had a few, you know, had a few spiked coffees, butterbeers. Yeah, you know, right? You know, I I think it would be interesting. I mean, if you think about it, um, you know, the phoenix is a big symbol in her books. And if you think about it, um, kind of that rebirth and that that phoenix um, image is really what happened with her, right? So for folks who may not know, I mean, she started out, uh, you know, in life and she just, she'd she'd had kind of a rough run, you know, she was struggling. She, um, Mm -hmm. she was living in her car at one point, you know, and the one thing that she was just really good at was writing. And so that's something that she did for herself. Uh, And, you know, and then she, she started, you know, submitting what became the Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone to, to multiple publishers. And she was rejected many, 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 many times. Right. But she persevered, she kept at it, um, you know, and eventually, you know, the fish hit the line, right? And she, and, 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 you know, we all know the story from there. And so I think, um, you know, from a leadership perspective, sticking to it, you know, not giving up, um, you know, really knowing what your strengths are and, and, you know, pushing forward with those. Right. You know, I think that's something pretty cool that we could take, um, you know, we could take from her book um, or books, but. But the, right. geek in, but the geek in me also just wants to know all the, you know, the characters that didn't make it into the story. Uh, so. A complete <laughs> world. Yeah. That, yeah. Uh, that the ones that were, oh, the characters that were cut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The storylines that never made it in. Um, that's really, that's really interesting. Yeah. So knowing I, what I, what I, I um, wrote down, you know, was like knowing your strengths and, and believing in that and, and having the courage. You know, again, we're back to, you know, having the courage and the belief in yourself yep. um, to to um, to follow, to follow your own leader, <laughs> follow your own lead, you know, yep. to follow what's what's inside. Um, let's um, let's stay with the fun questions, because um, uh, um, you're getting a lot of fun answers. So uh, my other favorite question, if you could go back in time. And give a piece of advice to your younger self. Uh, you know, maybe it's maybe it's that 
girl in high school. Maybe it's the uh, 30-year-old, you know, on the technical writer on the Agile project. I don't know. But if you were to go back and give, uh, give yourself a piece of advice, you know, what would it be? Well, first, I've seen Back to the Future. I've seen all the Marvel movies. And we all know you should never go back in time and talk to your former self because that just causes problems. So I'm yes, going to throw it that, does. you know. So, okay. But, but we'll assume that Thanos <laughs> is not going to come and explode the world and, and, do, and do this little <laughs> snap. Um, I, I think, um, truthfully, I, I, I wouldn't change anything. So I would be very, mm-hmm. I mean, and this is like true, a true, honest feeling. I, I, I think that, I don't really believe in regrets, uh, you know, and a lot of times people are like, oh, well, I wouldn't have done X or I wouldn't have done Y. But I think um, I think there were times when I may not have gone down the right path or I didn't make the right choice. But if I hadn't, right. if I hadn't made those mistakes and errors and, and bad calls, then I wouldn't have learned uh, and I wouldn't, you know, I don't think I'd really be where I am today. So I think what I would say is just stay the course, um, mm-hmm. you know, because because it's been a pretty good ride so far. Um, you know, and, and I think, uh, I wouldn't want to change any of it. So. Well, then let's, let's, um, get back to kind of talking more about, you know, you as a leader in, in, um, in your, um, professional experience and your career today. Um, but I think that's, I think that's a beautiful statement is, you know, don't have, don't have regrets. And yeah, I might need to adjust that question because you're right. The back to the future uh, continuum <laughs> is a pretty strong message. About or, or not, just, just lead in with that multiverse and you're good. You know? Yes. Because something, yeah, because it will, I will, I, I'm going to say next time it'll be in the, in the multiverse. So we have different options happen in, in yeah, different, there you go. There you go. <laughs> in different sets of time and space. Um, so what do, what do you consider, um, your most significant professional accomplishment to date? Describe that please and how it happened. Sure. Uh, so I'm going to give you the cheesy answer and then I'm going to give you okay. the, the, the legitimate answer. So the cheesy, okay. yet, the cheesy yet truthful answer is, um, you know, it's, it's been pretty cool. Um, you know, I, I have been in the industry for a good long time. Mm-hmm. And I remember folks that I worked, uh, I worked with early on in my career and, and they were like early, early, early on, on the, in their career. And I've seen them grow and evolve. And, you know, some of them are branch heads and, you know, for in, in various, you know, government offices, some of them are, you know, just super, super, super strong software developers working on some really cool projects. And so they've, you know, I've, I've been able to, I've been in this long enough that I've seen people kind of start out. And now they are are leading and evolving, mm-hmm. and and that's so that's my cheesy answer. So that's that's pretty cool, and to have been a part of that um, is pretty cool. But I would um, call it cheesy. I would call it that's your altruistic leadership style. Yeah, right there. there you go. Yeah, yeah. But that's but you know it's it's just kind of all the feels, you know. And yeah, I'm, you know, I'm very I'm very Scottish and British, so I try to mask those. So you know, very, <laughs> you know, but. Um, but no, I would say from a, just a, a specific accomplishment, um, there was a, a period at Lifecycle Engineering where I was brought in to help with uh, what's called a technology readiness assessment. And so basically, um, there are certain milestones for a, uh, a project uh, okay. or, or, or a product that's delivered. And um, once it reaches a certain point, um, 
a team of uh, of scientists and technical folks are are brought together to assess to assess the technology and make sure it's safe, make sure it's secure, mm-hmm. make sure that it's going to perform as it's needed and all that. And so these are all folks who are not direct. You know, these are ex- external forces who are not currently working to put that product together. And um, it was a, uh, it was, I think it was about an eight month effort. And so little me was brought in with uh, this massive team of, you know, just genius brains, you know, the, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, you know, think, uh, think the movie hidden figures and all those folks that were in that room at NASA, you know, trying to figure out, figure out what to do. And, and my job was to, to kind of lead the team through that assessment and, and put together a, a report. Um, that that Congress had to review and approve, and so oh, wow. um, I mean I didn't present to Congress or anything like that, but it's just no kind pressure. of cool. yeah, right. <laughs> but it's just you know that was just one of those things that you just kind of look at yourself and think you're so small, but you know I had something that at least a couple of people skimmed through, you know, at some point in Congress. And that's, that was pretty cool. Yeah. Those are high stakes, you know? Um, and I know that, um, some, um, uh, well, most, I'm, I'm going to say many of our listeners, um, you know, are, are in the midst of potentially procuring new software for their, um, CMMS or are, are dealing with, um, potential ramifications of, of cybersecurity issues, you know? So, so to be able to have been, you know, to have experience on, on such the breadth of full software development from the initial concept, you know, of something that's gonna, um, that's gonna support our nation and our nation's security all the way through Congress. That's, that's pretty impressive. Um, That's pretty impressive. So thank you for sharing. Um, so we've talked a lot about, and I'm curious what your answer to this question is going to be because you're such a positive person. So tell me about, um, one of the most difficult obstacles that you've had to face as a leader. Um, and how did you, how did you get through it? Sure. Um, well, I think I think people and personalities in general are always the most difficult thing to, to navigate because, you know, everybody has different pressure points. Everybody's sensitive to different things. Everybody has different motivators. And right. that's, you know, it's um, it's funny. You can't it, program humans. Exactly. Like, you can't you know, like, like we always say the technology is actually the easy part. It's the people. Oh, side absolutely. That's hard, you know, <laughs> and, um, you know, everybody's still got a little bit of that high school drama, like just waiting to pop out, you know. So um, I think mm-hmm. I think that's been just in general that it continues to be the biggest challenge. But uh, I specifically. Um, at one point I was leading a, a large, another large software development project. Uh, and this was, I had about 60 people that, uh, that on the team and, um, you know, multiple, um, multiple consultants and contractors, you know, working to get the, the job done. So kind of not, not mm-hmm. one single manager, so to speak. And, um, I was actually brought in as this, the cleanup crew. Uh, because, you know, folks weren't getting along, things were kind of going south. And so my job was to come in, take over the project and, and get things, get things back on track. Wow. And, uh, and a lot of the things, you know, after interviewing everybody on the team and trying to figure out what the the catalyst was for, you know, for the poor performances, it was truly the people and personalities. Folks just didn't want to play well together. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, being new to that project and trying to figure out, you know, where, 
where that bad apple, so to speak, was. And it doesn't mean a person's always a bad apple in every case. It just they may not be in the right seat on the bus, you know, might need to put them in a different role uh, or it might just not, they may not be a culture fit, right, for that specific project. So kind of coming in and diagnosing that. Right. Um, or they may not then, have an understanding of the shared goals of the project. I mean, yeah. there's yeah. what's the root cause there. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So navigating that uh, mm-hmm. and then and then, you know, I figured out a couple of elements that needed to be changed. And one of those was, was a person. And, um, and basically that person had, had been taking on not just the, you know, profit and loss and the cost schedule performance pieces of the project, but they were also take, had, it had to burden themselves with taking on the, the technical as well. So they were also like the large scale technical lead. Uh, and so, we talked through, uh, you know, made an adjustment, took that profit mm-hmm. loss cost schedule performance piece off uh, off of, of their plate, um, made them my chief scientist. And right. he, he did a phenomenal. I mean, it was like no looking back and he was happier. The team was happier. Things worked better um, because, you know, all that extra weight that he was imposing on his own. Shoulders well, that kid has had competing priorities, mm-hmm. you know, that was uh, um, because the PNL could sometimes compete with you know, the desire for some sort of excellent functionality or something like that. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah, exactly. Totally. But having those conversations, it's hard. And I think that's always, oh, yes. you know, most people, um, you know, I think most positive and most good leaders uh, are, are really good at have, you know, conversations and communication. And, um, but it, it's still, I, I don't know, I think it's, I think it's hard. I mean, it's really hard to look somebody in the face and say, you know, hey, you're screwing up and we're going to make a change because of it. I mean, you're not going to be brutal. Uh, you're going to give them tough love, you know, but it's, um, you know, that's, it's, it's just, that's the, I think it's the worst part of the job, but also one of the most critical components of the job. Right. So I'm guessing that's, that's where that communication degree that you got coming in handy as a leader, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yep, uh, yep. Um, well, speaking of that, speaking of uh, skills and experiences, education is, is there, um, are there any skills like, you know, communication or any more that you would list that have been instrumental um, in, in how you feel as being successful as a leader? Sure. Um, I mean, communication, obviously, is, is, is yeah. at the heart of it. And I, I don't think anybody can ever be 100% proficient. I mean, there's always areas to improve, right. you know. Um, mm-hmm. But I would say the thing that's that's probably been, I don't know why, but it's been most surprising is, um, you know, you kind of think of, you don't think about having to write a lot of times in a leadership position, but you know, you think, you know, being in meetings and conversing and, you know, a lot of verbal communication, but I think, you know, I think that nonverbal communication and the ability to write, um, you know, whether it's write directions to, you know, to your team for what, what, you know, how you think something should be done, whether it's, you know, delicately having a conversation over email or, or, you know, or or now things like Slack, you know, all those, the, the, what we used to call back in the day, those chat boxes. Um, You know, I think um, it's been surprising to me how important those things are. And um, I've got a knack uh, for nonverbal communication. So a lot of times, you know, I can, I can tell if, if some, something's on somebody's mind, I may not know what it is, but I know I need to pull it out. And I, Mm -hmm. uh, you know, a lot of folks don't, don't have that knack and um, I haven't figured out how to teach it yet, but um, it's an important. Right. 
Well, it's a learned skill to effectively convey um, uh, um, your position or um, to represent, effectively represent um, yourself in 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 written writing. I mean, now who who even does phone calls anymore? Um, it's more like texting or uh, online meetings um, or face to face, you know, seems to have taken over. So syntax, syntax and tone, all those things that we learned in writing class, I do think they're coming back more as, as more important today. Um, as we're even using social media more in, in business and, um, in that, in that regard as well. So let's go back uh, out, you know, from a little bit, from talking about real specific, uh, you know, experiences and, and, um, and discussion, let's kind of pull back out a little bit more and get more macro. Um, so what in your own words are, are two or three things that, that make a great leader? Um, so I, I, I'll start out with some that we've already kind of talked about a little, right? right. I, think, I think, you know, taking the blame and giving credit, I think that's, that's really important, um, which kind of goes hand in hand with just taking care of your people. Yes. Um, you know, I think if, uh, if, if you're, your people and your people doesn't necessarily always have to mean again, you know, I'm managing this group, I'm only taking care of mine. It's, it's your peers. It's, you know, it's the people who are on your team, whatever that team might look like. Mm -hmm. Um, but taking care of your people and and making sure that you have their back, because if people know that you have their back, they will often have your back and it just, and it just, Mm -hmm. you know, trust starts to evolve and build and grow. So I I think that's really critical. And then, you know, the, the last thing that I would say, um, which I think it's a delicate balance, but, uh, leaders need to be proactive and, and they need to, uh, be willing to delegate tasks or, you know, work with others to, to, to get things done. But I also think it's important for a leader to grab the shovel sometimes. So, you know, if, if, if sometimes resources just aren't there, sometimes there's time crunches, sometimes things just happen. And, um, I, you know, I've, I've seen, I've seen some leaders that have, that'll, you know, just let their team just be crushed, you know, and meanwhile that, you know, the leader's going out for like drinks and cocktails and the team's just, dying, oh boy. Right? And, and right. to me, I think, you know, if you're as a leader, there's no job that's beneath you. I think, you know, it's, it's important to grab that shovel and, and chip in and help, help everybody get over the hump. If, if that hump appears. Right. So I'm leading by example. Yep. You know, um, and that proves credibility, you know, which uh, proves trust. Um, and uh, I think that's a really strong message, again, about, you know, integrity and accountability. No job is too, is, is, is too uh, menial. Right. You know, every job is important. I think that could also show, you know, how... Um, what could be perceived, you know, as a menial task, how important it really is to the goals of the organization. Yeah. So you are having to um, input this data. Okay. Well, how does that roll up to the measures, you know, especially for our listeners to the measures of the plant? So, you know, if you're not entering in, you know, your work order comments or, Um, if you're not entering da- good data into the system, 
it's going to have an impact down the line, which could not only impact the management, quote, unquote, management reports, but could impact your ability to get investments to make improvements. Yeah. You know, so everybody's part of, um, but that's building that vision yep. too, right? And it kind of goes back to what uh, you were discussing earlier about, you know, your biggest, one of the biggest obstacles was, you know, trying to create that shared understanding and shared vision between the team of, of how that project was supposed to work and the goals of the goals of that project and take away those barriers and competing initiative or competing priorities. Yeah, I think it also gives um, it, it can also give additional insight, right? Because a lot of times mm-hmm. it's it's easy to look at somebody else's tasking or their job and say, oh, that was easy. You know, it's only going to it's only going to take so and so, you know, 10 minutes to enter that data into the system that could then get out to the facility. But, you know, then when you get it, you're sitting in their seat and you're at their keyboard and you're trying to enter it in because you're helping them get through something. And and there's all these things you didn't think about, or all these things right. you didn't consider, Right. And so now you understand why it might take an hour versus 10 minutes right. or, or different you know. defects in the system. There's waste that has been somewhere yep. introduced yep. that prevents efficiency. Um, yep. You know? Yeah. And I, so another one thing that, um, that we've also uh, discussed with um, several leaders on this podcast is um, uh, uh, they call it gimbal walks, you know, or management by walking around. So being visible, being where the work is done, which is what in in my understanding of what Gemba means in Japanese, um, is is going where the work is and understanding what are the issues that your people, you know, are dealing with um, and being there side by side with them. That's going to get that trust. Yep. So speaking of uh, uh, trust, as a leader, one of the, and we've discussed this, you know, in, in previous episodes before, but leaders are, are typically charged with managing change, some sort of uh, change, small changes, big changes um, in the course of their tenures as leaders in the course of business. Um, so what are your thoughts about how leaders can help sure. uh, effectively manage change in an organization? I think, uh, I think first you really need to understand the catalyst or the reasoning behind the change. So some things might be outside of our control. We, uh, many of us experienced that in 2020, you know, when we right. kind of shift into With know, the pandemic. Yeah. You know, I mean, that was, it's not something that was, was planned. We just had to figure it out. Right. But so, so understanding the catalyst for the change, and if it is something that's planned, you know, what's what's the reasoning? So what, you know, for, for that le- level within a company or an organization that's decided that they want to make this change, mm-hmm. um, you know, understanding the reasoning behind that, uh, I think is I think is really important, uh, because once you understand the reasoning and the catalyst, uh, you know, you can understand what might be hurdles to achieving it. You can understand, mm-hmm. you can, you can, you know, start talking to the folks who will be impacted and, mm-hmm. and determine the risks and, you know, kind of work it from there. Um, you know, communication and buy-in I think are, are vital. Mm-hmm. So, you know, if folks aren't bought in, it's, it's going to take a lot longer to get there. Or you might never get there. 
Um, right. You know, allowing folks to have some level of ownership in the change. Um, so not necessarily dictating every little piece, but, you know, here's the higher vision. Here are the critical pieces we're going to we're going to implement. And, you know, working with the various um, teams that 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 have to, you know, make this change happen. Right. To, to, you know, empowering them to figure out ways to put their their flavor to it. Involving um, them in, yeah. in, in making the change so yeah. that they feel their voices are heard. Exactly. Exactly. And, and just like, you know, when I went into that project and, and had to figure out, you know, what changes need to be made, you know, that was kind of a different type of change. But I think um, it, it's also important to have a keen eye and a keen ear open for for either processes or people or whatnot that may not work well with that change, right? I mean, sometimes mm-hmm. as an organization's culture changes, um, you know, once in a while you might there might be a process or a person or whatever that's just not going to fit within that within that change. And I think it's important right. to not just exile. If it's a person, don't exile that person. You got to talk to them and be honest with them and open with them and, and figure out what would work. Is it, is it a different seat on the bus? Is it, you mm-hmm. know, is it maybe a, um, you know, a different role? Is it, is, is it just altogether not a right fit? If so, then, you know, let's, let's, let's help each other. Let's help you, you know, find something that is a right fit uh, and not being able, you know, not being afraid to have that conversation. So um, there's just, there's so many elements that you have to consider. Um and, and it's not just the people in the processes. It's really and truly the whole thing. So. Right. The whole system. Um, yeah. And that the change is enacting uh, or being enacted in. And I think you said something really keen there about, you know, talking about the why of the change, the, you know, the business reasons for the change. And, and um, also one thing that, you know, we've uh, heard um, and, and, and enact when we're, helping organizations change from being completely uh, breakdown maintenance or reactive mm-hmm. um, or not uh, not having those foundational business processes in place and trying to get them into a state of efficiency so that they can optimize to use technology. Um, but, you know, we often talk about introducing the risk of not changing. You know, what happens yep. if we don't? Yep. And not, not doomsday scenario. But, you know, um, here's the business reasons why. Here's why we want to change. Simon Sinek, the, the why, you know. Yep. Um, and then the what, it, okay, people, you know, if we don't change, here's what, here's what we're looking at, you know. Um, and, and so. Well, that's part of the yeah. with them, right? The what's in it for yeah, me. Yeah, the what's I mean, in it for me, yeah. You know, and that that's, feeds into that buy-in, right? So if. Right. You know, a lot of times people, for example, um, are are scared of automation or, you know, the Internet of Things. They're scared of bringing in all of these. Nasty, I mean, with Industry you know, 4.0, it's a big, big concern, you yeah. know. Um, yeah. So. But, you know, that I think having that honest dialogue and explaining the benefits um, right. and, and the risks. I mean, then, then people, then people are okay. I think actually you know, everything with me is a cultural reference. So I'm going to apologize up front. No, no, but I, it out there. Hashtag it. Let's but, go. But I, but I go back to the, um, the Johnny Depp version, uh, the Willy Wonka with Johnny Depp. Right. And there's a scene in there where the dad works at the factory and you see, you know, and the press is there and then they want to bring in automation 
And at the end of the movie, they show the dad and everything worked out okay because while he doesn't have any to do the physical attributes in the manufacturing facility, he was now the guy fixing the machines that were doing it, right? So, you know, so sometimes people are scared of that automation and technology from a change perspective. But, you know, just because this is becoming simplified doesn't mean that there's not new tasking and new needs. It drives opportunities, right? It it fosters opportunities. Um, And... I think that that, you know, that's messaging. That's the what's in it for me. That's a messaging that comes from leaders, right? That's the, the vision and, and providing those opportunities, you know, um, to, to their people. So let's talk about um, any leaders out there that uh, inspire you, um, you know, because I think, uh, so let's say, you know, any influencers out there or leaders, you know, that you see that you say, yeah, you know, that, uh, that individual, um, uh, has, has done some of those right things or that you see, um, in, in choices they've made or, or ways that they've led that, um, that inspire you. Um, anybody, it doesn't have to be current. It could be someone, uh, from the past. Sure. Uh, so actually, you ideally real, though, not fictional. This <laughs> no, this is real. This Although is I do I like promise. I promise. <laughs> so, uh, the, um, so you mentioned uh, in the big go Tar Heels, right? So I'm uh, born and bred, bleed Carolina blue. And, um, <laughs> you know, my my whole life growing up, Dean Smith, who is the, the basketball coach for, for the Tar Heels for many, many years and, and most of my life, my, my young life anyway. Um, you know, Dean Smith was my hero. So every answer from like kindergarten on up, who's your hero? It was, you know, Dean Smith. And, um, you know, he eventually ended up writing a leadership book and I was, um, I was fortunate enough to get to meet him when I was, when I was in college, which was pretty, actually a couple of times, but which was pretty cool. But, um, as a leader, he, he was really, um, unique, I would say in that, uh, even the, some of the players who didn't make his team, he would stay in touch with them, you know, throughout their oh, life, wow. throughout their career. He was always, uh, he was always there from a mentor perspective, not just for his, you know, the players who played for him, but for, for other folks as well. Um, and, you know, Michael Jordan, um, fantastic basketball player, phenomenal businessman, right? Uh, you oh, know, absolutely. He, you know, up until Dean Smith passed away, you know, they were, they were still very, very close and he would call him, you know, throughout his life. Michael Jordan would call Dean Smith throughout his life to, you know, to, to talk about decisions. Wow. And one, another thing, in addition to just that, you know, mentorship, lifelong mentorship that, which, which I think is just really awesome. Um, and it feels good, you know, for me personally, when, you know, former employees and folks that have moved up, you know, we, we talk and they'll, you know, ask me for advice or I call them and ask them for advice, you know, based on, mm-hmm. you know, what they're doing. Um, but I think something else that Dean Smith did really well as a leader is uh, he that that tough love aspect. So I remember uh, I remember one basketball. I can't remember who we were playing, but uh, there was a there was a game. It was one of those critical, you know, March Madness basketball games. Oh, yeah. And uh, back in the 80s. And uh, one of the star, I mean, like the star player, um, Dean Smith sat him on the bench for the first half of the game. Right. Like, who's going to do that in the middle of a tournament? Like, you know, it's like, but. And the fans are probably like, why? Why? Right. (laughs) But that player, he had, he had messed up. He got real mouthy. He was, you know, he was starting to take credit, you know, for the whole team. I mean, he was disrespectful. Yeah. Yeah. And so Dean, you know, Dean felt that 
you know, tough love, right? You're, you're going to sit on the bench. That's not the behavior wow. that's acceptable. And, um, you know, the, think about that. So you're the star player, you know, you, you might be able to go in there and help and fix things, but you know, now you feel bad, uh, because you're not contributing and you're not a part of that team. Right. And yeah. so I think it, it emphasized the, you know, the, the criticality of being a team player, literally. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, right. So I just thought, you know, the, the tough love that he would put out there, I'm not, you know, it's, it's pretty incredible. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing. Um, so I want to uh, give our listeners, um, if you, if you have any uh, recommendations on, you know, resources um, or you just mentioned uh, the book um, um, and maybe we could uh, leave that, you know, in, in the episode notes. Um, but are, are there any other books or, or resources that you would recommend um, to our listeners to check out um, that, you know, kind of uh, uh, represent, I guess, the, the things that we've been talking about today about, you know, accountability and courage and knowing your strengths and giving back, um, and taking care of your people. Um, any recommendations? Uh, the one that really comes to the forefront of my mind. I mean, I've, I mean, I, I go all the way back to like, who's, you know, what was it? Who's moving? You, who's got your cheese or who's moving your cheese? Like the way back in the right, day, the classics. Yeah. Right? You know? yeah. Um, but, um, you know, I'll, I'll be honest. I, I can't think back to the classics and say, Oh, well that's definitely impacted. I mean, if they're great, they're amazing, but just for me, they, they haven't stuck with me, but um, I was fortunate enough um, a few years back to, to participate in a seminar. And there's also a book associated that's called extreme ownership and it's Jocko Willink. And uh, he was um, just really just amazing, you know, former Navy SEAL. And then he retired and, and opened up a leadership consulting business. Oh, wow. And, and he's got he's got a bunch of books out. But Extreme Ownership uh, in particular is, is the one that um, that I read and, and the, the seminar was focused around. And basically he uses um, real scenarios from his SEAL days mm -hmm. uh, and to to emphasize various leadership principles. And so, you know, so throughout you just hear these gut wrenching, you know, just real world battle and scenario. I mean, you talk about leaders, you know, on the front lines, life or death decisions, you know, Literally, I mean, yeah. that's, you know, it kind of it makes everything that I do from a day to day basis be very small. Right. And he's, right. And so he's using those and talking through. Um, owning it. And really it means, you know, as a leader, uh, if something goes wrong, kind of goes back to, I guess we talked about it earlier, right? We did. So, so, you know, if, if somebody makes a fatal flaw on the team, it's my fault as the leader and I need to right. own that, take responsibility for it and figure out what I could have done better. Even if you think that you've, you know, you've done every possible thing you can, you've, you know, you've, you know, you've talked to somebody, you've told them over WebEx, you've documented it, you've done all the right. things. There's always something that as a leader, we could do different to, to, and if it's not, if we're not succeeding, it's because we're not doing something different. Um, right. So that was just, it was just really engaging. And that whole thought of just owning it. And it's, it's, if everybody, regardless of your role in a business, if you own it and you own the mistakes and you, and, you know, rather than, 
you know, something goes wrong and everybody's trying to point fingers. If you, if everybody's game. pointing yeah. the finger back at themselves and saying, Hey, I'd screwed up. I should have done X and Y. What was, yeah. What was my piece of this? We'll uh, get to, we'll get to resolution. I think a lot better. Uh, and it's hard. I mean, it's hard a lot of times in a big forum sure. to say, Oh, that was me. Right. Um, but it's, uh, you know, that to me, that was just a very inspiring thing. And, um, you know, I, of course, very much respect the, the military and all the sacrifices that, that, you know, our veterans have made for us and to, to hear those stories and then have those applied to business scenarios was just, was just really neat. I think that's an excellent recommendation. Um, thanks so much. I think our listeners are, will, um, will really benefit uh, from that and, and from your experience and from you sharing, you know, your leadership uh, Genesis story with us uh, today. Um, I just want to thank you for your time because this has been, so much fun to, to learn more about you. I think if I, if I were going to um, do some hashtags for this episode, uh, I'd repeat some of the words that we were just talking about today. Well, first I'd start with own it, own it uh, in terms of leadership. Um, and then, you know, another one would be uh, courage. Another one would be trust and credibility. Another one would be take care of your people. Um, another one would, you know, just a phrase is, you know, help people to learn and to grow communication, written and verbal, um, no regrets, know your strengths. So, um, so thank you again, uh, Bambi for joining us today and for sharing your altruistic and, and very, um, very practical uh, approach, own it approach to leadership. Uh, it's been a fun episode. So uh, if you were going to leave our learners, our, our learners. Okay. You're going to have to <laughs> cut that one. You're going to have to cut that one. Uh, Kim. Okay. If you were going to leave our listeners uh, with one final thought, Bambi, what would it be? Uh, I would say, you know, just get out there and be proactive, be a team player. Uh, you know, you'll, you'll lift yourselves up and um, in whatever capacity or role that, that you want to be in. So um, just teach, treat, treat your teammates correctly and you'll get there. That's right. That's right. So to all you leaders out there and aspiring, take that as inspiration. Um, if people want to find out more about you, Bambi, or connect with you, you're on LinkedIn. Yep. Uh, um, Bambi Hoyt, we'll share that with our, with our listeners. Um, you can also find Bambi if you go to lce.com. Um, she's right there on the about us, uh, page. Um, and, uh, again, Bambi, it's just, it's been great talking with you about, about your leadership style and, um, thanks for sharing your experience with our listeners today. So until, yes. So until next time, listeners, signing off at the Leadership Connection. I can't wait to see you next time. Thanks. Bye-bye.